I'm visiting all 30 stadiums in one season to uncover the hidden stories that make baseball America's pastime. Rounding third with Manish Jane. Welcome everybody to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jane. Today's episode, the San Diego Padres and Petco Park. Now for the pretty much entirety of my life, I have been a Midwest slash East Coast kind of guy. Uh, I've lived in Michigan and DC and New York, pretty much anywhere east of the Mississippi. That's where I've spent most of my time. Now that's not to say I haven't visited the West Coast uh, quite a bit throughout my life, but you know, during this tour, this is the first time that I'm really focusing on the West Coast teams. And I started thinking about that, and I realized, you know, I, I hear friends of mine who live out West or even in the South talk about the East Coast bias that the media seems to have, uh, especially when it comes to baseball. Uh, New York and Boston are the two teams that most people like to talk about. Uh, Chicago, St. Louis. I mean, basically, half of the country is forgotten when it comes to uh, baseball. Now, as of late, the Angels, the Dodgers, the Giants, obviously, have uh, put themselves into the national conversation. But even right there, when I was just talking, I said the Angels and the Dodgers before I said the San Francisco Giants, who've won two of the last three World Series. I mean, if the Red Sox and the Yankees had won two of the last three World Series, no one would stop talking about it. But for whatever reason, the Giants don't even pop to my head first when I think of West Coast baseball, uh, which is something that I need to work on. But Coming here and being in San Diego, I realized, you know, having five teams in one state can really stretch the fandom, I guess, for lack of a better word, of the locals. You know, I understand that California is a big state. It's a long state. You know, there's there's quite a lot of mileage to cover. But let's face it, there's San Diego, San Francisco, Oakland, L.A., and Anaheim or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, regardless, you know, that's that's a lot of loyalty to spread pretty thin. And when it becomes so localized there, on the one hand, obviously, you can have a much more passionate and, and fervent fan base. But on the other hand, you know, it really makes it difficult for a large swath of the population to get behind one team. Uh, case in point, San Diego. So... San Diego is probably the fifth most popular team in California. I feel like that's a pretty accurate statement to the point where there are times where they get forgotten about. Um, you know, these days, obviously, the Dodgers and the Angels are getting a lot of the headlines because of the uh, ownership and the money that they're spending. Uh, San Francisco gets the headlines because they just refuse to not get the headlines. They're They're playing their way into the headlines with the success they've had the last couple of years. And uh, the A's, you know, are perennially just one of those feel-good stories. I mean, they made a Hollywood movie about the, the Oakland A's, so people are always going to talk about them. So that just leaves San Diego. And I actually got the feeling, and please, people from San Diego, you know, if, if I'm wrong about this, shoot me an email. Um, let me know what you think. But I talked to some of the locals there, and I kind of think some of them like being a little bit under the radar. I'm not saying they don't like they don't want to win and they don't want to be in the national conversation when it comes to victories. But I think they're okay with kind of having their own little island there and and letting the Dodgers and the Angels and the A's and the Giants take up all of the tabloid esque type type uh, uh, column inches. Uh, now that being said, 
this was my first stadium in California, and wow, was it a great introduction to uh, um, California baseball because it was just absolutely beautiful. I'm telling you, it, this this is a stadium that is just a little slice of heaven that I honestly, I didn't want to leave. I actually called my parents and told them, I, I'm not sure if I want to finish this tour. I really just want to wake up every morning and come to work at this ballpark because I love it that much. I think it is perfect. You know, I mean, it took the Padres a little bit of time to construct their own baseball-specific ballpark. But luckily, a gentleman by the name of Larry Lucchino came in to save the day. Mr. Lucchino is the man that we all have to thank for this new era of ballparks that at least I personally absolutely adore. For those of you who have listened to my previous podcast, you'll know the adoration that I have for Camden Yards over there in Baltimore. It was later to the Kino, who served as president and CEO at the time of the Baltimore Orioles, who played an integral role in getting Camden built. His vision of creating a baseball-only ballpark with a smaller seating capacity and just more intimate feel with the retro look with the modern amenities has taken the rest of the league by storm. And what they've done in Petco is really quite amazing as far as integrating the old with the new. The area there in downtown San Diego has changed dramatically over the last 10 years. This is in large part to the construction of Petco Park. And if you head on over to the Padres post at roundingthird.net, you can see a picture of downtown San Diego and what it looked like 10 years ago versus what it looks like today. And it's pretty much just a completely new city. One of the things that inspired me to do this tour to begin with is the fact that my home ballpark in Detroit, you get such a beautiful view of the city skyline. And I'm a firm believer that every ballpark should sit somewhere relatively close to the downtown area if possible so that behind home plate you can just get that expansive view of the city that you call home you know we all love sports for different reasons some of us like it for social obligations or for business reasons knowing the score of the game from the night before can really give you a leg up some of us like it because we're super competitive And maybe we played a little bit when we were kids, but due to talent, skill, any number of reasons, we're not able to play it anymore. And so this is our outlet. This is how we get our competitive urges out. Some of us love it, and I'm going to go ahead and include myself in this, because it connects us to our fellow man, and more importantly, to our hometowns and to the cities that you have pride in. And it gives you something to believe in. That in your down moments, in your sad moments, in your depressed moments, you have something that can bring you up. I'm not ashamed to admit that in my darkest moments in life, baseball was kind of the only thing that, that kept me going. You know, that may sound petty, that may sound trivial, that may sound melodramatic, but, you know, if you're out there sitting there saying, no, baseball has really played an integral part in my life as well, don't. Don't let anybody else tell you differently. You know, I got a lot of friends of mine who, and lovingly, will mock me quite incessantly about how, uh, at the end of the day, this is just, I'm watching grown men playing stickball. And they're right. I, I, I've said it before. This is essentially watching grown men in pajamas 
you know, hitting a ball with the stick. Who cares? They're absolutely right. But it's also something that honestly saved my life. You know, one year ago, I was sitting inside my apartment in Manhattan in a city with over 8 million people, never feeling more alone in my life. I was depressed. I was sad. I was isolating myself from everybody in my life. And I really saw no point in waking up. I was in a bad way. The Cliff's Notes version of the story is that I used to own a sports magazine in Detroit called Motor City Sports Magazine. And when I had to walk away from that, I took it pretty hard. Uh, For the next couple of years, I basically, every moment of every day, relived every single decision that I made and thought about how I could have done things differently and how I could have done things better, both for the city of Detroit and for my just ridiculously, tremendously talented insert every superlative you can think of how perfect my staff of people were that worked for me how I could have done better for them but on top of that I had to just walk away from sports altogether I'd worked for ESPN I'd owned this magazine I'd spent the last several years of my life heavily involved in the sports business and I couldn't do it anymore every time I turned a game on it would just depress me all I could think about is you know my past. And I didn't want to think about my past anymore. And I tried as hard as I could to put sports in the rearview mirror. I started a film production company and I thought, let me get as far away from sports as possible. Well, that didn't work out because you know what? Sports is in my blood. More importantly than that, baseball is in my blood. Baseball is a part of my DNA. It's a part of who I am. And last summer, when I was going through a massive depression, Nothing was making me happy. I had friends. I had family. I had had infinite amount of amazing people trying to get me out of my funk. And no one could do it. Until I turned on a ball game. Happened to be a Tigers game. It was the first sporting event I'd seen in years. That includes Super Bowls, World Series, anything. I hadn't watched anything in years. It was just a normal regular season game. I turned it on. And it was the first time I found myself genuinely smiling in years. I immediately bought the MLB package and subsequently watched pretty much 300 hours of baseball (laughs) in the next couple of months. And in that moment, I realized the thing that I'd been running away from is the thing that could save my life. Within a couple of months, I'd planned this 30 stadium tour. A couple months after that, I'd quit smoking. I lost 45 pounds in four months and I was on the road reintegrating myself into society and becoming a part of this baseball community that I love so much. Now, I know that seems like a little bit of a tangent, but what I was talking about in San Diego is that you can see the connection that this stadium has with its city. And when you're sitting inside those stands, just like when I was in St. Louis, just like when I was in Atlanta, just like when I was in Kansas City or Baltimore or D.C. or New York, even Miami and Tampa, You feel a connection. You feel a sense of belonging. You feel like when you're sitting in those stands, there's no reason to be sad anymore. You know, and guess what? Even if they lose that game, there's another one tomorrow. And if they lose that game, there's another one tomorrow. There's 162 of these things. You're not going to lose all of them. You might even lose a majority of them, but there's going to be days where you can go home happy. 
There's going to be moments that you can salvage. There's going to be a reason to get up in the morning. There's no better sport that teaches you how to get back up, how not to let your past failures affect your future decisions. This is a sport where you fail 70% of the time and you get into the Hall of Fame. (laughs) You know, you bat 300, you can pretty much stamp your ticket. If there's anything else that teaches you that, please let me know because baseball seems to be the only thing that, where that really resonates with me. I look back in my past and I may have some failures. I may have some things that I've done wrong. I may have some things that I'm ashamed of. But in my future, I can still get that batting average back up. Maybe I can go ahead and bat 300 the rest of the way. And so when you're sitting in a place like San Diego, <laughs> to get back on topic, You get to see what that city has become in the last 10 years. You get to see what baseball, how baseball rather, has played such a big role in that city's identity. You know, the juxtaposition of a a, a ballpark, a field, nestled so uh, perfectly inside of a downtown area like that has always been, been absolutely beautiful to me. You know, as I said earlier, you have these men, on the one hand, wearing pajamas and hitting a ball with a stick and running around in circles on the bases. But then right next to them, you have other men and women who are going to work every day in suits and ties, carrying briefcases, doing very important work. You got doctors saving lives. You got teachers molding young minds. But those two worlds, they need each other, in my opinion. You've got, on the one hand, people doing incredibly important work, but on the other hand, you've got this slice of heaven that's just sitting there. And, you know, nothing annoys me more when someone says that it's an escape. It's not an escape. You know, when you go to the ballpark, when you go to a ball game, you're not going to escape your problems or escape your, your family or escape your issues or escape whatever it is people seem to think that you're trying to escape from. It's a place to connect. It's a place to go and sit next to 40 plus thousand other strangers and be a part of something. I've been to football games, I've been to basketball games, I've been to hockey games, I've been to any number of sporting events, team sporting events, and there's nothing quite like going to a baseball game. And this is nothing against uh, uh, basketball, football, hockey. I'm not saying that baseball is a superior sport because of it. I'm saying baseball is built differently. The game in and of itself is built for contemplation, is built for conversation, is built for quiet moments. When you go to a basketball game or a hockey game, you really can't afford to take your eyes off the play for more than 30 seconds. Otherwise, you'll be completely lost. In football, it is so charged up and it is so just aggressive and you're constantly on your feet that you're really not going to talk to your neighbors very much, save for maybe a high five or a handshake or a hug. Every time I've gone to a baseball game, I've met somebody new. Every time I go to a baseball game, I end up having a conversation that I had not anticipated having. Some of these conversations, by the way, have nothing to do with the game of baseball. You know, when I've come to the ballpark, I've had conversations with complete strangers about religion, politics, addiction, sexuality, any number of of crazy topics that normally are reserved for your closest friends and family 
But when you go to the ballpark, there's just something about it that you sit there and in between pitches, in between innings, in between at-bats, you have time to sit there and, and think and talk and really, really connect. Connect is kind of the word of the day, I guess. Connecting is what I feel like every time I'm at a ballpark. When I was here in San Diego, it was incredible because this is a team that is struggling. They are, for all intents and purposes, the fifth most popular team in their own state. And they have not really had that much success as of late. But that being said, there were still 20,000 people that showed up to this game. Now, when you, when you watch a lot of sports, when you work in sports, a lot of these numbers have a tendency to lose all their meaning. You know, these, these large-esque numbers get thrown around so casually that you really got to stop and think about it for a moment. This was a game between the San Diego Padres and the Colorado Rockies, two teams that really, even this early in the season, have very little playoff aspirations. There are 81 home games that the San Diego Padres will play this year, and after the first 30 or so, it was pretty evident that this team is really not going to go that far this season. Yet every day, tens of thousands of people take money out of their pockets and spend it on this team to come out to the ballpark and sit with their fellow San Diegoans. San, San Diegans? San, San Diego? I have no idea what you call someone from San Diego. So to sit with fellow San Diego people. That all can't just be about the game on the field. A lot of that has to be because this is where they feel connected. This is where they feel a sense of pride, a sense of something. Maybe they can't even put their finger on it, but it's something there. And, you know, just like life, obviously, as, as I described a little bit earlier on in this, in this uh, episode, we all have our down moments. We have our low moments. We have our moments where we're losing. We're on a 10-game losing streak or 20-game losing streak or going years without having a winning season. But that doesn't mean you stop showing up. That doesn't mean that you stop supporting someone when they're down. You know, when I was in my downtime, there were plenty of people in my life that could have stopped attending my home games, that could have stopped calling me, that could have stopped coming over to my apartment and banging on my door, that could have stopped any number of things and given up. But they didn't. I may have lost touch with some friends, just like there's some people that maybe have stopped coming to Padres games. That 20,000 should be 40,000, but they've lost a little bit, and that's okay. Part of the reason why I'm doing this tour is so that I can reconnect with people that I lost from my life. When I'm traveling the country, I'm staying with people and visiting people that I haven't talked to in years. I'm winning them back. I'm bringing them back to my own ballpark. Now, please forgive me for that unnecessarily convoluted analogy I just gave. I think I just compared my personal life to a baseball stadium and a baseball team. I'm not quite sure, actually. I might have to listen back to this and figure out if that made any sense whatsoever. But essentially what I'm saying is, be it in your personal life or on the field, even when it looks like there's nothing to play for, there's nothing to hope for, there's no, there's no reason to wake up in the morning, there's always a game tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe you'll hit for the cycle. Maybe you'll throw a perfect game. Maybe you'll hit the game-winning run. Maybe you'll strike out three times. I have no idea. But you'll never know unless you wake up tomorrow 
put on those cleats and head on out there. I have absolutely no idea how I got on this ridiculous tangent. I was not anticipating talking about any of this. But honestly, I just think San Diego did something to my brain. You know, it put me in this weird contemplative mood and this weird, I don't know, it was beautiful. I, I really, really enjoyed the stadium. I know it's going to be weird for me to jump back now to talking into the actual stadium itself. And if you notice, this entire episode, I haven't even brought up if I interviewed someone because I didn't. Um, I guess there you go. Maybe instead of interviewing someone else, I just gave you a little interview with myself. But I, I, I was blissed out when I was here in San Diego. I was so relaxed and so happy and so just focused on the stadium itself and the field that, well, I did chat with several of the locals and, and I talked to some really great people. I just wanted to be in the moment. I didn't feel like pulling out my recorder and, and having an official interview with someone. I just like casually talking to folks. But I do want to talk a little bit about Petco Park specifically because I just realized that for the San Diego Padres fans that are tuned in to this episode hoping to hear me talk about their ballpark, they have now just been subjected to my 20 minutes of nonsense. So for those of you who've, who've stuck through all of, um, <laughs> all of that, I uh, thank you, and I don't know why you've stuck through through all that, but now I'll talk a little bit about your stadium. So I have no transition noise, no bat hitting the ball. Just here it is. Uh, the first thing that I love about this ballpark is, as I believe I mentioned now 20 minutes earlier, that you've done a really good job of blending the old with the new. Anytime you watch a Padres game on TV, the first thing that jumps out to you, obviously, is the Western Metal Supply Company building that is located in left field. Much like the warehouse in Baltimore, this Western Supply Company building is one of the main reasons why I've always liked watching Padres games on TV. I talked earlier about the juxtaposition of the business world and the baseball world working hand in hand, and here we have the perfect representation of that. Now, obviously, this is no longer a working factory, and the Padres have integrated this historical landmark into becoming a part of the game. There's a restaurant on the top level where uh, it's general seating, and you can go on up there and anytime during the game, grab a beer, grab some food, wander out onto the balcony, and get a uh, great view of the entire field of play. Inside the restaurant is where you'll find the history of the Padres located. Inside of glass cases, you can get memorabilia from... Uh, former Padres players, including Mr. Padre himself, Tony Gwynn, and the rest of the Western Metal Supply Company building is reserved for private suites. But honestly, just from a visual standpoint, I've always loved that building and how it sits in left field. Heading over to right field, however, is where we will find my favorite aspect of Petco Park, which is the man-made beach they've created directly outside of the outfield walls. Now, for those of you West Coasters, I'm sure it's not that big of a deal for you to have this little patch of sand where you can take your shoes off and recline in a nice beach chair to watch the ball game. But as I mentioned earlier, I'm an east of the Mississippi kind of guy. Living in Kalamazoo, Detroit, New York, D.C., not a lot of beachfront property for me to enjoy. Outside of the ballpark, literally the only place on planet Earth where I feel somewhat at peace is the beach. 24 hours a day, my mind is going a mile per second. 
I've constantly got 10,000 things that are going through my brain at at any given moment. But you put me inside of a ballpark or you put me on a beach looking out into the ocean and all of a sudden, everything goes away. I feel at peace. I feel calm. And all I'm thinking about is whatever's directly in front of me. (laughs) All right, I think I just realized why this has been such a weird episode and why I have unconsciously just bared my soul to all of you listening. And it's because, San Diego, you built my utopia. You combined the beach and baseball, and I swear, this this is a park that was built specifically for me. The name of this podcast is Rounding Third. I, I, I tag each episode with join me next time I was around third heading for home because essentially this whole tour is my journey rounding third and I'm heading back home to baseball. But I think I may have prematurely found my home. Uh, now I don't want to speak too soon because this is only the 14th out of the 30 stadiums that I need to visit, but it's going to be tough to top this one, just for me specifically, I mean. As much as I've been an American League guy my entire life and a Tigers fan, I think the National League may have built a home for me here that I could live in for the rest of my life. I don't know, though. We'll see in a couple of months how I feel. For now, though, San Diego, I really, really, really want to thank you for one of the most unique, pleasurable, fun experiences I've ever had in my life, independent of this tour even. It has just been so much fun. And it's an absolute shame that this is actually the shortest amount of time that I'm spending in any city. Like I said, about 24 hours, I'm in and out. So I'm going to have to come back. And I'm happy to know that even if I come back in December, it'll be 70 and sunny. And I'll have a smile on my face. That, ladies and gentlemen, is going to bring us to the end of yet another podcast. Uh, for For those of you who actually stuck with me through the very end of this... Thank you, I guess, and I'm sorry. I honestly did not anticipate talking so much about myself for this for this episode. I don't know where that came from, and I don't know if that's going to ever happen again. <laughs> but thanks, San Diego. You brought it out of me, I guess. This is a tremendous stadium, and if you couldn't tell from me gushing about it, you need to come out here and check out a game at Petco Park. Now, thankfully, I'm heading to San Francisco where I've got an awesome interview lined up with two women that I'm so excited to introduce to all of you. So if you were able to make it through this episode, you will be greatly rewarded in the next podcast. For now, I need to, as always, thank the musical genius that is Blake White for creating my theme music and my outro music. Please go to iTunes and check out his album, more like myself. White is spelled W-H-Y-T-E, by the way. I need to thank Icarus Ronan, who taught me everything I know about web design, which isn't much, but I knew nothing before he helped me out. So if you like my website at all, it's completely thanks to him. I want to thank Krishna Jane. If you like my photos at all, it's 100% thanks to the brilliant photo editing of Krishna. So thank you so much for that. You can always check out my write-ups and the aforementioned photos at roundingthird.net. You can contact me at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com and follow me on Twitter at roundingthirdmj. 
this was a uh, <laughs> a pretty personal episode for me. So I feel like we're now all on this journey together. So I hope you'll continue to join me as I round third, heading for home. Rounding third with Manish Jane.